Yo, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is uh, WIT 88.9 FM. Um, and you're listening to the Reup. My name is Malik Alim, um, your host. And I have a guest with me today. Um, been acquainted for quite some time. Some Yo, this time. is a blessing. This is a blessing. I, I met this dude probably first when I was what? We're talking like fifth, sixth grade? <laughs> Wait, how old are you in 56? Like 12? 12, 13? Yeah. yeah. Youngins. Youngins. Uh, <laughs> back in the field. Spring, Springfield. Uh, we met. We, we came up together. Uh, went to school. Played some sports together. Um, but my guy, Mike Ware, welcome. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me out here, man. This nah. is a long time coming. Yes. So. Thank you for coming. <laughs> I, um, I really appreciate you, you, you taking the time to come out and, and, and chop it up with me. Uh, for sure, for sure. I remember the f- when I first found out that you were, you know, living in the in the city. Mm-hmm. I was like, I know this. I know this dude be cooking up, like working <laughs> on some 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 dope shit. Because you've always struck me, like from since we were shorties, like yeah. as somebody who 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 had some things going on in his head. Um, thank you, thank you. I appreciate. Yeah, and, and, and so I'm really excited to get into, um, you know, what it is that you're working on. So. Um, I, I like to start with a, a, a simple question that, sure. that can often end up not so simple, but do how it. do you define yourself? Oh, man. How do I define myself? Uh, more or less a storyteller. I guess that's the best way to put it. You know, I define myself as a storyteller, and that's no matter what I do in work, not work, anything, like, I'm always telling stories. Like, hell, get me drunk, I just start telling stories. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Yeah, storyteller. pretty much. Yeah, it's always been just like a, a, a thing of mine, just to be able to kind of tell stories. It's been, it's been a path to try to figure out how I always wanted to tell my stories, you know, but uh, it took a while. Tell, but, me, yeah. tell me about that path. What, 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 where, where did you start and, and then how did you end up as... So you, didn't, you, you haven't alluded at all to where you actually or how you actually tell stories, mm-hmm. um, but you, I see you as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. a film influencer, producer. Correct. Um, but but what was that journey like? Yeah, so I mean, now, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to call myself a full-fledged film director, film producer, but, you know, it started off just like, you know, not knowing exactly, you know, how to express myself, so it came down to different things like, you know, I, I started off in, like, dance, which was something a lot of people didn't know. Like, I was... Uh, Definitely didn't know. <laughs> you know twinkle toes out here, yeah, boy. Yeah, twinkle toes. I, uh, you know, I played several instruments that I just never could fully latch on to. And then one day, uh, Pops, he, uh, mm-hmm. he just like, you're going to stick to something and forced me behind the camera. And uh, I, I remember this story, which was, like, he told me, like, after the first day, I wanted to quit. I was like, I hate this. I don't want to do it. And he said, you got to give it a month. And if you don't like it after a month, I'll let you quit. Third day in, I was completely hooked. And there was no way I was, like, leaving. And at that point, I think I was, I think I was 12, 13 at the time, right around the time we first started meeting. Like, I was going into middle school. And that's when I knew. I was like, I have to do something around film, visual arts, creating motion pictures. Something like that has to be what I got to do for myself. There's nothing else. So, What's your favorite movie? <laughs> Ooh, you're getting on a touchy subject. Favorite movie. How uh, is that touchy? Well, <laughs> see, for me, I don't have favorite movies as much as I have. Yeah, I don't have favorite anything, so yeah. I, I understand. But. Yeah, it's, it's more like, like I have a group of things that I like for a certain reason. So, for example, um, I love Inside Man by Spike Lee. 
you know, one of my favorite movies. Uh, I'm a big fan of Memento, Christopher Nolan's yeah, Memento yeah, back yeah. in 98. Uh, obviously, if you don't have Pulp Fiction in your top five, we're not friends. Something wrong with you. Something wrong with you. You need to, <laughs> you need to understand yeah. genius when you see it. Uh, uh-huh. You know, and there's a couple other ones that are like like a little bit less that people don't know. Uh, City of God, mm-hmm. really good one. Um, I'm a big fan of one that came out uh, a couple of years ago called Kicks. Mm. Um, and it's, it was an indie film that was done. Kicks is, is, is amazing. And so that's what Kicks, who, who's it? Who, who? So it's, it's a totally indie team, totally indie. Um, but but, but big them up. You don't remember? Okay. I don't, I don't remember the director, but I do know if anyone's watching uh, The Shy, uh, the new TV yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, Shout out the, Lena Waithe. Yeah. We uh, love you. The, uh, the long-haired kid, the, the teenager, long-haired teenager, uh-huh. he starred in Kicks. Okay. That's when I first saw him. And I was like, man, that kid is amazing. And now he's starring in the Showtime show. So Word. Kicks is also a really good one. Like those are like my collections. Kicks. And I'm going to yeah. have to Drive is also like, like I just have a collection of like favorite films that I'll watch. Do you watch them more than one? Do you like repeatedly watch them? Oh, yeah. Yes. The first time I, I watch every film twice, no matter what it is. Even if I really hate the film and I know, I watch every film twice. First time just for entertainment. Uh-huh. I don't look at it as a filmmaker. I look at it as a straight consumer. I'm going to see this because I want to see it. And then the second time, I'll always watch another film uh, to actually critically look at it and see what it is. I'll actually... Mechanics. Yeah, I'll actually print out a script. I'll find the script online, call a buddy, and read the script as I'm watching the film the second time. But first time, purely a consumer. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay, so <clears throat> that was kind of a caveat and an aside. Um, yeah. But... The the term filmmaker is a a, a very broad mm-hmm. um, term that probably encompasses a lot of things yeah. that I'll never understand, um, and some things that I will. What are the if you had to choose the biggest, most important aspect of being a filmmaker um, in your you know in your own experience? Um, what what would that be? Is that you know recruiting talent? Is that finding investors to 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 help put a project on? Is that mm-hmm. and and maybe not even the most important, but but maybe the most fulfilling to you? Yeah. So like yeah, I, I think and I can answer that in two parts. I think on the business side of it, when you're a filmmaker and you're playing on like the level that that me and my team play on, which is feature length films for theaters. Um, you know, you always have to break it up into the two sides and you have the business side and then you have the creative side. And so like in terms of importance, yes, uh, business, raising money, getting investors, um, um, creating connections, you know, that's always extremely, extremely important. But what's most satisfying as a filmmaker to me is, is realistically creating engaging stories. The whole reason I got into this was because um, I wanted to create my own stories and I wanted to you know, not just even my own stories, but stories that I connected and felt with, that I felt were being underrepresented, whether it was stories about us as millennials, stories about us as black folks, stories about us in any type of uh, situation. And so it's satisfying when you create something and you know it is going to impact somebody. Somebody's going to watch that and you're going to start a discussion. Whether it's a good or bad discussion, whether two people are going to argue on the side of the lines about it, you know, that's the most satisfying thing about being a yeah, filmmaker. Yeah, knowing motherfuckers don't talk. You, yeah. You're making people talk. Yeah. And, and like me, like I'm always about being dis- uh, divisive and forcing mm-hmm. people to look at the hard things. So in that aspect, you know, 
You know, it's like none of the things that we do is feel good all the time. You know, they're always like thought provoking, trying to get you to think, trying to get you to feel something and see it either from the other side or from the same side and let you kind of go from there. So, yeah, those are kind of like the two important things when, whenever I step into any film. Mm-hmm. So. Word. So tell me about New Millennial. Mm-hmm. So New Millennial, it's, a, uh, it's my production company, which is, uh, we started that about maybe four years ago. And we started, uh, at the beginning, it was just me, um, another guy named Tom, and, and, and uh, a head guy named Brandon. Big him up, Tom who? Uh, Tom, Sh- Tom Shimando, uh, he's, a, he's a real good guy. He works in the unions now. Um, and then Brandon Keating, who uh, was one of the uh, early founders of like uh, how to m- uh, monetize videos on YouTube. Oh, okay. The dude okay. made a killing off of that. And so he, he ended up, he sold one of his companies to Disney, for, and so, like, he decided to leave that world and wanted to start his own, like, creative company. And that's mm-hmm. how we all met. And so, at first, you know, New Millennial started off as just us, like, doing, like, we wanted just to do small-time content stuff. Kind of keep us afloat. But then we brought in a guy who's a good business partner of mine named Seth Savoy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big-time director. And he came in. <coughs> uh, but he came in and he brought in a, a project and we kind of just started cultivating projects and we started like building this infrastructure and we started really seeing like when we first started it we didn't have a full vision and then as we started fully getting on we all collectively had this one vision to create this content that could really impact the masses but how what 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 content specifically did you all have in mind that you wanted new millennial needs to be a vehicle for this content what is this content yeah, so it's, you know, what we say is that our, our content is cutting-edge content for the next generation of viewers. And so, and what that means for us, more, more importantly, is that the stories that are being told, you know, don't get me wrong, I love Star Wars. I love these types of films, but I, I don't need a Star Wars 10. I don't, I don't need a Star Wars 11. I personally don't want to work on it. That's not my story. Someone it's too fucking many. It's too many. And, you know, that was someone else <laughs> in the 70s who had an idea and had a dream, and they created something that was out of the box at the time, or, I mean, like for me, like, you know, he kind of stole some of those ideas, but, <laughs> you know, you know he, he, he mass-marketed a, a really niche idea, and he got big off of it, but it's, it's time for the, the whole essence of New Millennial and of what the content we're producing is, is that we are the next wave of that stuff, so we're creating content that's like, look, we don't want to do like, you know, I love the Creed series as well, you know, which is kind of refreshing. Is that the Creed series? Yeah, the Creed series. Right, it's kind right, of refreshing right. as well, but it's just an offshoot of the Rocky series mm-hmm. that had six movies. You know, it's time to really build something genuinely new. Genuinely and, new. Yeah. But, but is that possible? I, I, one of the things that I kind of um, believe, one of the, you know, a mantra that I don't necessarily live by, I don't think you can live by this, but mm. nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. But understanding that there's always a way to update the formula and mm-hmm. you know escalate the dialogue, if you if you will, but make things that already exist, yeah, newer and, and fresh. Is is that? Yeah, no, um, you know I agree with that as well. I don't think like any there's no new concepts. There's no like I said with the Star Wars thing. Like obviously I can't remember what it was called off the top of my head, but there was a whole nother movie. That, that released like three to four years earlier. That, that they, was, they stole. It. it was so similar to what Star Wars did. Wow. But, you know, what I, I'm kind of uh, 
you know, talking about is is driving that that new wave, you know. And like, yes, you know, some of the stuff we're gonna do is not gonna be a hundred percent new, but these are fresh concepts, fresh ideas. These are new um, pieces, you know. These aren't us going and just stealing, taking from screenwriting one hundred and one, and saying, okay. You know, we got to do Act One, Act Two, Act Three, inciting incident at page fifteen, uh, second incident at, at forty minutes in, simple protagonist character X X Y Z. You know, what we're doing is really just trying to cultivate stories and cultivate the storytellers. Mm-hmm. So, like Seth, he has his own voice, his own vision. We're not interrupting how he does that. We're sitting there just aiding in it. For my own projects, I have my own voice, my own vision, and, and instead of I was trying to clam it into what, you know, the mainstream media kind of wants it to look like right now. You know, uh, we're doing it our own way, and we've been finding our own financing to do it, own studio connections to do it. And so, that's what's up, yo. So yeah, so um, so we're both college dropouts. Um, yes, and, and we're <laughs> actually sitting in in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a college uh, <laughs> the space uh, that I used to be in. Every day, uh, oh man, yeah, li- living, going to school here. Um, but tell me about th- that that kind of trajectory where you were you you were a student at Columbia College, um, okay. Chicago. Shout out to Columbia. Um, yeah. I know you dropped out of there, but yeah. I don't. I don't think I don't, you. I don't think hard, you. Yeah, I don't got hard feelings. For yeah, Columbia. I definitely have hard feelings of this motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck IIT. Uh, <laughs> Pull up in their building too. Let them, <laughs> yeah, let them know. Care. Tell they them how you really it. feel. They know it. They, they and, and and just as a side, they they kind of squat in this like mm. zone, this area. This is Bronzeville. This is yeah. This you know, this is black excellence. Yeah. And they 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 make no effort to you know integrate themselves. It's, it's ridiculous with the with the community or anything yeah. like that. And I have a big problem with that. So yeah. um, let them know. You know. But tell me about you know your trajectory of being a student yeah. at, at Columbia. And then why you decided to leave. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is an interesting story because I originally wasn't going to go to college, period. Um, I was convinced uh, by my mom, dad, and stepdad um, last semester in, in high school. You know, you like, were at Southeast, right? Yeah, yeah I was at Southeast. Yeah. And like, Another school, I hate it. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I, I only realistically went to Southeast for two years. And then after those two years, I went straight to CACC, the vocational school. And I was in the TV media film Word. program there and then I stopped like like we got lucky you know with the whole credit thing so like it, it was just like right because like you had less credits than the people like the next the next class or yeah. whatever they had to take more classes yeah so you could like knock them out like I knocked out my 20 credits first two years went to CACC and then like would after CACC would just go work I wouldn't go back to school right right you know? and so um you know, I had, my parents, like, knew I wanted to pursue, like, video film. And even then, I, I was I was kind of, like, not sure what I was going to do. Um, and um, they were pressuring me to go to school. So I applied to a bunch of schools, and I got into a lot. But I wasn't going to go. I, my plan was to go straight to L.A. Um, but I ended up competing in a, a video uh, in a video and film competition and went to nationals that year, the year after my senior year. And... Um, they, you know, I won, I won in this national competition and it ended up getting me a full ride to Columbia. And so, um, so parents beat down on me, I decided to go. Um, I went and it just, my issue with my, like, I'm sure it fits for a lot of people. I know a lot of great people who came out of Columbia. There's people I've hired, there's people who've hired me that, that went to Columbia. Um, but 
at the time, they were just slowballing me. I was, I had enough knowledge to be in certain classes, and they wasn't letting me be in those classes. They wasn't letting me use the equipment I was used to using. And they were like, you got to wait two years before you can start really doing what I'm already doing now. Mm-hmm. And so I felt that that was just like a slap in the face. And so um, I was like, I'm not going to pay, you know, you know, even though it's free, uh, uh, free ride tuition. You, you still got to pay for housing. You still got to pay for books and, yeah, and housing, and books and living gonna, in a fucking city. Yeah. And I'm not going to waste time. You know, when I got to sit here and listen to a teacher tell me something I've known two years ago. Or I could actually be working and learning what I don't know. Mm-hmm. So um, that it made it made the decision easy for me. I started transitioning out, and after the first year, I just fully dropped out, took a full time job working in film, and uh, the rest is kind of history. You know. Now, what was that job that you took when you dropped out? So you were you were in there for how long at, at Columbia? Technically a year, a but year. I stopped taking classes after the first semester. <laughs> 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 I was really just living off the meal plan, like my. Like my tuition, and I was able to get free meals. Free yeah. meal I still had to pay for housing and board and books. Probably so not I'm, the greatest meals, but meals nonetheless. You know, I was staying at, I don't know if you know where the UC is at. Yeah, it's on, it's on state, state, right? State. So that's where I was staying at. And so Stayed I was, in what, like 18th, 16th, around there, like no, right by like, the It's police. like 505 South State. Oh, okay, so right 16, there. 18, the that's the stage. That's the, okay. that's the, that's their sound stage. Okay. Which, that's what pissed me off. That was the thing that pissed me off. All their high-tech gear. All of that was down there. Were there, and they wouldn't let undergrads uh, go. Like, you had to be a junior, senior. You had to nah, have waivers. Not cool. And I was like, you know, this, like, I kept, try, like, I kept petitioning the board to let me do stuff. Out and they there. wouldn't. No, they are like, no, use these DLS, DSLRs and these other crap-ass cameras that, that <laughs> I've been using since I was 13. And, like, like, I had a, I had a technician's license on a, on a uh, red camera, which is a cinema film camera that they only rent out to the juniors and seniors. I came into Columbia with a technician's license. It's one of the reasons they accepted me on the scholarship. Right. I couldn't use it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, so. yeah that, that was kind of the reason why we ended up leaving, uh, ended up leaving that school. But, you know. So, so is New Millennial a, a, a company that you helped start or something that you, you kind of you know, got yeah. pulled into. So um, I helped start it um, and got pulled into it. In the very, very early stages, there was a Brandon and Tom, the guys, the two guys I talked about. Uh, they knew each other first. Um, and at, very, at the very beginning, um, Brandon, uh, or Tom, who I'm good friends with, he asked me, he was like, hey, look, we're doing gear orders. Can you help with some gear orders? Sure. What and is a gear order? Just buying gear. Just like buying like the cameras, cameras and, and, and Okay, okay. Stuff like that, and so why did they think you could help with that? Oh, because I had more experience in time. The plug. At that point. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, like at that time, I was running with the unions. I was working in the unions. I was working on all the big sets, you know. So, so I'm, I'm sorry to nitpick these different like yeah. little term, terminologies that you're using, but yeah, he's talking about working with the unions, running with the that's so most of the time when a show or a movie is shot, right? There's the people who are working the equipment who basically make that set move right. are unionized workers, right? Correct. So that's what you mean when you say working uh, with the unions. Yeah, and, so, yeah. Okay. So, like, yeah, just, just to really quickly expand on that, like on all film sets, you have what you call above the line and below the line. Above the line is your directors and your producers. Those are the, normally the big wigs in Hollywood. Right. Or the, the guys who finance the film, direct the film, produce the film. Okay. Right? 
below the line workers are your camera operators, your lighting technicians, your set decks. On any given big set, you're going to have two to 300 people working mm-hmm. on, any, on any given day. And so here in Chicago, it's a big union town. Um, all the film sets. Huge union town. Yeah. Shout out to unions, though. Yeah. I mean, Word up. You know, I know a lot of people, especially in the film industry, hate them. But mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, I oh, came everyone from Everyone hates unions. Everyone I came hates from you. union. I'm like, no, I, I respect it. Like, I... From any industry. Like, people hate the teachers' union. People hate every yeah. fucking union that exists. The, the healthcare workers, every... But... Yeah, and, and, and there are, you know, there's things about unions that are, you know... Mm-hmm kind of deplorable the, and you want to kind of you can be a little bit but it's like you know the, but a, as a you know the idea of the idea it of and in the most part you know it's it's for the safety of the workers absolutely so for the most part un- unless it's something extremely low budget i don't work on it if it's not unionized you know mm-hmm. um yeah like so when you do that kind of stuff so like all those are union workers you know those are the film guys you know loading cameras building the lenses building the camera packages so the reason why they called me is because I was working union at the time. I actually came off of a feature um, um, in Michigan, and they were like, "Yo, um, can you help us with some gear buys? You know, we're trying to, you know, what what should we get if we're going to start a company?" So I went over there and started talking to them, and then like one meeting led to two, two led to three, three led to four. Next thing you know, it's just like they they brought me into the fold of this company, and this was like early days. So then I helped them with all the gear buys. We started getting studio space, um, and we started just creating content at that point. Um, we kind of then we kind of quickly pivoted and went to features. So, so pivoted from like music videos or what do you mean pivoted? Yeah, so like we pivoted from like like originally the company was started uh, to do um, original content for online. So like for your YouTube's, for your Hulu's, for your things like that. Original content for online distribution right um but uh, it quickly just because of the way that i where i came from and where the team i was putting together came from it quickly pivoted from that to um features and actual uh long form content and so uh that's when we brought on seth that's when we started bringing uh, echo boomers into the fold and and that's when we started really really running as a company we still did a lot of ad work a lot of old content you know i did a lot of like uh, i did a lot of stuff for different companies at that time too um under the banner of new millennial but uh, our goal was always uh features right so, so tell me about the feature that, that you told me I'm not, I'm not sure if it's the most recent but um the joint where with michael shannon uh yeah the, yeah the, so we got um we got one um in this seth's film and that's the one that's been kind of like our, I won't say pet project, I would say crown jewel. That would probably right be the up. best way to put it. Uh, it's called The Echo Boomers, and it is a, um, it's a crime drama film uh, f- uh, facing towards millennials. And yeah, it stars, right now, um, you know, we were, I legally am supposed to say we have Michael Shannon, Theo James, and Keir Gilchrist, which is uh, another, he's starting a Netflix show. Um, but yeah, that, that, that film is something that, um, has been near and dear to all of our hearts. It was the, it was really just the, the baby project of New Millennium and it grown into like a real heavyweight now. And it's, you know, we're getting a lot of press about it and we're, you know, like, uh, like we're, uh, half of our team is at Sundance right now. We announce at Berlin next week. I mean, not next week, next month. Uh, where we're actually gonna, the banner is gonna come out, and the, and and the lead, the lead actors are gonna come out. I can't wait. 
we're, we're setting all that kind of stuff up now. So, you know, if you're listening, you, you got the inside scoop of a film dropping in Berlin. Word so, up. So, yeah, that's kind of like what, you know, that is, um, that film is working with. And it, it's been, it's been a tough ride with that, you know, but it's been the most rewarding, rewarding ride. It's my first stint as a, as a top line producer. Mm-hmm. You know, I've produced other projects, I've produced other features, but this is the first one that's like, theatrical distribution, top line cast. I'm the lead producer. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's done by us as, as young folks. Seth is also my age. We're both 25. Yeah. You know, he's the director. I'm his producer. And so this is something that we started from the ground up maybe about three, three and a half years ago. And yeah, and, 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 and for, so one thing that I love to do on this podcast is, is kind of get into the, um, mm-hmm. Into the weeds of what these kind of terms and, and concepts mean yeah, yeah. Um, that industry folks understand and know. So when you say he's the director and you're the producer, yeah, yeah. Um, people hear these terms all the time. Yeah, yeah. What exactly does that mean in in terms of day to day working on the actual project? Yeah. So normally, so the Echo Boom was just described as an indie film. Mm-hmm. So, indie meaning independent. Independent, independent meaning n- not funded by studios or not bought by a studio. Studios, no, ain't no Weinstein in this shit right here. No, it's, no, it's, we. Yeah, and so in terms of the terms director and producer, um, uh, a director is usually the one who creates the creative vision for the project. So what you see is what the director is manifesting. What how the actors are acting is what the director is manifesting on on screen, but not what they're saying. Well, sometimes, like on an okay. independent film, that's why I gave the delineation that Echo Boys is an independent film. Um, a lot of times on indies, the director is also the writer. Okay. He wrote his own film. Uh, for the big, like we were talking earlier, the big studio films, you're going to have four writers on it, and then they hire directors. Star Wars films, that's what they do. Uh, the, the, you know, all these other films, they have five, six different writers. Black Mirror. Yeah. Oh, I love Black Mirror. The, the same writer. Pretty much same writer for each episode. A couple of other ones, but they hire out these directors. Name directors. Yeah. Okay. So like, the, so what the director does, he'll take the script and he'll sit, like, for example, like Black Mirror or something like that. He'll take the script and he'll be like, okay, I want this to fit this certain vision that I have. He'll read it. He'll create a vision. He'll make edits, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly the writers. Um, but for something like the Echo Boomers, independent films or top tier directors like J.J. Abrams, Tarantino writes almost all of his own films. Uh, you write it yourself. So he wrote the film with the vision in mind for it, and then he's the one that, like, on set's going to be telling the actors how to act. Mm-hmm. He's going to be directing the DP on what shots they need to get. Things of that nature is what kind of the uh, director is really focused on. So the look, the, the feel, the style, the tone is a director. Director, okay. Um, and then the producer is almost the is pretty much the guy who makes sure that can happen. Mm-hmm. So like like if the director's like, look, I want to burn a house down, <laughs> the producer has to figure out how to make a house burn down. It's like, yo, who do I need to talk to? We we shooting in Chicago. We yeah. out here on the southwest side. Motherfucker, I need to talk to this alderman. Yeah. Like, yo, we we trying to burn a house in your ward, my G. Yeah. Like, how do I like that type of stuff? Like, you politicking out here on that level? Straight up, like I can. You know, I bring that up because I have done it on yeah. a production, having to burn <laughs> that's so dope a to house me. down. That's so, so dope to me. We had to. Uh, I, I just remember distinctly. Um, 
we actually had to go to Sherman near Springfield. Yeah, yeah. And yo, I was in Sherman when I found out Michael Jackson died. That's an oh, aside, but let's man. continue. Oh, <laughs> continue. I don't wish that on anybody. Sherman's not a good place. <laughs> it's not and a good place to be. With that news either, exactly. Man. When you, I was real vulnerable in that moment. It, it wasn't. Cornfields all around me. Yeah. I needed a hug. Nah, man. The only thing you can hug out there was the corn <laughs> and a tractor. Maybe ride a tractor. Out there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we. So yeah, like for for that example, like we went to Sherman. I, I called the fire department. Asked if they had training houses. They said they had training houses, like training houses that they light on fire, and then they and then the fire trainers come out. So I said during that. a live training session, we need to come in. And so, like, luckily, like, the way that the director had the vision, you don't really see anything but the house burning and firefighters trying to put it out. So it was, like, it worked perfect. Like, we're just going to shoot your training session. Right. You know, but, yeah, that's what the producer does, long, long story short. They can do anything from finding the financing to building your schedules, things of that nature. For example, on the Echo Boomers, we had a small little, uh, 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 not fight, um, but the original schedule was 28 days of shooting. And then Seth decides to go back and add another 15 pages to the script. And we're like, yo, uh, there's no way I, uh, the schedule Can't works. Can't fit now. that in with 28, yeah. Yeah, so now we got to go up to 35. We got to figure out how to keep the budget the same. Whatever's an extra week of shooting. You got to pay yeah. everybody. Need an extra week and like say, all right, sit Seth down and be like, all right, I know what your vision is. Yeah. What is, what can we lose? Or, you know, how much this is crucial. That's so important, man. Yeah. Like, when, when, when folks, like, experience a film, a short film or a video, whatever, yeah. no one's thinking about, no one's thinking about these things or, or you know, how, how long it takes to shoot something or yeah. how much it costs for even an extra two hours, right, yeah. on a set. Yeah. Like, that, that stuff is, is super important. So big up to you. Like, yeah. being a producer, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, I understand, must be... You know, it's it's probably very stressful, but yeah. but 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 rewarding as fuck too. You know, it is rewarding because like, especially for me, like we have other producers on board. They they're very like they're very good at what they do, um, but th we all work in different facets, and so it's, it's cool. Like we have one producer who works mainly with cast. He's the one working to get us this top of the line cast. Perfect. We have another producer who's a really good go between, right? Uh, we have one producer who's really good with numbers. He's the one working on all the budgets. I work oversee him. And it's good for me to kind of be, like, jumping between all four because, like, I get to um, realistically still be the creative with Seth. It, it lets me still, like, collaborate with Seth to make sure his vision comes through for his film. And that's what the real rewarding part. Like, truthfully, I wouldn't be producing if all I had to do was sit and do the numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, like, that's not why I got into film. Right, right, right. I got into film to create pieces. And so to be able to collaborate and create pieces and, and make something special is the reason why, you know, we got, I got into this business. So. Cool. So uh, when I go into the new, new Millennial website, um, there's, there's different things on there I see, you know, directed by Mike, Mike D. Ware, yeah. uh, produced by Mike D. Ware. <coughs> what would Excuse you say it. is your, um, your favorite or, you know, most fulfilling? Uh, I would say that there's maybe two that's on the site right now. Um, there's one piece called, that we did for the ballet, for the New York City Ballet, um, which was uh, called Closer to the Angels, and it was an experimental documentary um, about uh, the ballet. Pretty much they were in the city, the 69th anniversary, they were running a special show. 
And uh, the, the way that that had came up was um, our, one of our agents at the time was producing a photo shoot for them. Um, I was brought on board to help produce the photo shoot. And then um, they wanted a documentary as well, so I came in to produce a documentary. And uh, it, w it was a special piece because it gave us a really intrinsic look at something like this. We didn't, uh, we didn't mince words with them. Like when we talked with them and interviewed them and filmed them, outside of the imagery being so beautiful, um, it, was, it was really an honest look at what, at what someone who is extremely dedicated at their craft has to give up. Because you hear them talking and they're saying, I have no friends. Mm -hmm. Like, I do this seven days a week, 14 hours a day. Like, I'm bleeding, and I only, like, like, some, like one guy, I, I, this still sticks to me to this day. He said, uh, he says, all this thing does to me is take and take and take and never gives anything in return. I must be a drug addict because I just keep giving to the ballet, and there is nothing in return it gives me that should be equating to why I'm wow. doing so much. And so it was such a really powerful piece for a, a, an artist like myself. An artist yeah, they like, fuck your toes up too. You, you yeah. walk around looking like Godzilla by the foot. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yo, they were, like, yo, like, they were some, like, some of these ba uh, ballerinas were actually really pretty, but when they would take off them shoes, bruh, yo, I'm like, yo, you, I, got, I, I, know, I know the little Asian ladies be talking mad shit about you. Like, <laughs> when you're going to get a penny. Like, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah on, on a deeper level, it was really important to like hear that because like as, a, as an artist myself, we struggle with that, like giving our all to something. And it's like sometimes you wonder like why am I like, like, like giving 18, 20 hours to this? Like why am I doing this? And you realize it's because it's, it's all that you know. It's all that you are. Like you can't, like these people can't be anything else. They were, they were born to be ballerinas. They're going to be ballerinas through thick or thin, through whether it hurts or not. And so that was something that really resonated with us when we created that piece. So that's one of my favorites um, that we did. Another one was one I directed with uh, Karuchi Tran. Um, was a short fashion piece where I just pretty much had her beating up a bunch of girls. You know, it was fun I, I as hell. That shit. It, it's like, it's, it's kind of like Fight Club, but... Exactly. It was female Fight Club. Yo, it's kind of intense, man. That was the, that was that was a fun one because they just uh, I was working for a really bougie uh, like uh, a really bougie magazine hired us New Millennial to to do a video with Karuchi and like um, that one was just funny because they were like I, I went to them and I said look you know my record you know my track record I don't do anything unless I can have full reins so you guys need to close your eyes turn your back to whatever the fuck I'm about to do. <laughs> give me full range, give me the budget, and I'll give you something that you'll actually enjoy. Yeah. And they, like, at first they were hesitant, but then they agreed. And the next thing they know, like, I turned in that video, and they were like, yo, there's no way we can post this. <laughs> and I went, like, Karuchi was so in love with it, she said, flaunt, you gotta do it, or else I will not do my editorial spread. Flaunt the magazine. Yeah, flaunt the magazine. Word up. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, oh, I'm not going to do my editorial or whatever. And so they posted it, and then it went viral. And then, boom, next thing you know, it was like, they were like, oh, we love it. We need you to do more of these. <laughs> they're like, Yo. so that, that was a good one. Taste Those are the two makers. of my favorite. Yeah. I, um, I, I have a lot of respect for you because uh, in different, um, you know, I, I guess, like, ideas of what I want to do in my life, yeah. I thought, you know, politician, uh, creative in some way, um, 
somebody who really wants to impact how people yeah. think about social issues. Yeah. And I see the things that you do and the things that, you know, people like you do um, as a very beautiful kind of combination of all of those things. There's, yeah. there's you know, politics you, and there's yeah. having to interact with people, getting them to, to do what you want them to do, um, getting them to see your vision, actually having a vision, manifesting that vision. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's so many different, you know, things that I admire, you know, about how, to, how you actually, you know, make these things a reality. So big up to you. And, oh, well, and, thank and, you. And, thank you, man. And I, I am looking forward to seeing more <laughs> of the shit that you do. Um, but a, a question I always ask is, what are you listening to right now? What am I listening to right now? Yeah. I'd have to pull up my Spotify, but uh, off, the top, off, off, top. On, off top, there's a guy named R. Lamar, R.L.U.M.R. What's your favorite R. R. Lamar joint? Frustrated. Frustrated is, is, is amazing. Here I go talking about the same thing, and you're not as quick as you can fade away. It don't matter what I say if you want me to chain you to the sky. Oh my. And give me a kaleidoscope and monochrome. So unlike the way you color me at home. Some days it's so vivid, but mostly I would rather be blind. Banger. <laughs> Tell me about um, Sundance. This I, year? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I know what Sundance is mm-hmm. um, from the perspective of someone who likes film. Yeah. But from the perspective of a producer, filmmaker, mm-hmm. um, what does Sundance mean yeah. in business terms? What goes into even dealing with that? Yeah. You know, I mean, festival? Sundance is like like this year um, with us at Sundance, like, like I won't physically be there. Um, we just have a couple of representatives that will be there kind of. Like helping rep the project, but yeah, for for us, like for us as filmmakers, you know, a lot of people see Sundance and they go, then they're like, oh, a bunch of films are playing, and it's a huge party thing, and it's a fun thing to do. So like South, you know, like South by Southwest, yeah. like like Sundance is, is is very similar to that. Like all the films are all always very dramatic and sad, but that are playing <laughs> there, but the parties are off the chain. Right, like, right, right, um, right. Okay, and so like for for. For if you're there on business, you're there to either open a deal or close a deal or to create buzz about your project um, or your screening. So those four things. Um, and so for us, you know, the first year was us to open a deal. We, um, I went back in 2015, um, which was three years ago to this marked Sundance. It was when, when me and Seth first really started working on Echo Boomers and we went away, went there, competed. So there's competitions there too. And we competed in the screenplay competition for the film Echo Boomers, and won. A, you know, we ended up being named best screenplay at Sundance that year. Um, and so now, kind of going back, it's a little bit different because uh, with the producers going there, it's kind of like we went there as babies, and now we're, we're we're almost full grown at this point. The project in and of itself. So we're kind of just going there to let people know we're there. It's more of a you know, and it's it's more of a, uh, I don't want to say power move. It's just a thing where we have producers who are working on other projects um, that are going to be at Sundance, and they're also wrapping our projects. So when they go there, it's like, oh, what are you working on? Echo Boomers. You know, it's constantly keeping it in people's heads. Right, this right, is right, thing. right. You know, because, you know, even in, like, like, outside of the news cycle, there's always that internal cycle in the industry. So if people are constantly hearing your film, if 
if they're like, wait, they just signed Michael Shannon. Oh, wait, they just closed this deal. Oh, wait, this just happened and this just keeps churning out. That creates more and more buzz for your project and creates more and more interest. And so, you know, that's what for us as filmmakers is what Sundance is for. It's for us to promote ourselves, to make a project and let yeah. people know that, that we're here. Wait, so we're running out of time, um, but I want to end on the story of Echo Boomers. You mean like what the story is about? No, you, see, you told me a story when on we the, were at the, the, the how how we came to yeah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> tell me tell me about oh, this. Man, tell this me. is gonna be a good one. Yeah uh, man, only few have. Uh, only people Tell who have, me about it. It's yeah, a dope yeah, yeah. story. This is okay, real life okay. shit. So this is how I don't it, know if Echo Boomers is gonna have inspired by a true story on it. Yeah, it will. It will. It, okay. It, it, it kind of legally has to. Well, point. here's the true story. Well, so so guys, so this this is kind of what you heard it here first. The re up, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's kind of what happened. Uh, Seth, me and Seth have also been roommates for a while, and. Um, we had a third roommate. His name was uh, actually I won't say his name just just for sake of confidentiality for his ass. Yep, yep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and you know he was a, he was he was a great guy. He was the type of guy that could uh, he make friends with anybody in any room. And so one day he comes barreling home and he's just like he's like guys, you guys got to come out with me tomorrow night. We're going to kick it. We're going to have a great time. I know you guys are just like kind of new to this twenty one thing. Like get, <laughs> like get hip, let's do this. And, and like like as 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 uh, Malik knows, like like I like we grew up in a small town. I didn't have like a lot of like party experiences. And mm-hmm. then when I moved to Chicago, it was, was live, baby. It, it was live, but I was kind of like broke for the first couple of years, so I wasn't doing nothing. Right. Like like when I turned twenty one is when I really saw like how you could get real, like how the shit could get nuts. <laughs> and so. Um, and so he's like, yo, come out with us, blah, 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 blah. So the next day we get gussied up and, and shit and, and, we, and we go to Studio Piss and we meet these dudes and they're at the time, like around our age, so like a little older, 24, 25. And I mean, for your first club experience when it's folks popping bottles, aces, spades, buying tables, all this other kind of stuff, you're just like losing your shit. Like this is the first time, <laughs> like, like this is the first time I've been bid out in a club club like this and this is what's going on. Uh, and Seth's like losing his shit. And so like at the end of the night, like we ended up seeing kind of the bill when it came out. It ended up being like about 14 grand. $14,000. In one, one night. One night. Crazy. Came out and they just dropped a load of cash on the bill, closed it and handed it off. And so Seth was like, yo, he was like, yo, I'm going to ask him what the fuck they do. Got to. And so, you got to know. And so you got to. And so he's like, hey, man, what, what, do, you, what do y'all do to be that young and, and, and to be dropping that kind of money? We want to be like y'all, you know? Get like you. And they're like, yo, we just got family money. Don't worry about it. So the first thing we think of is like, oh, there's some trust fund babies. Right. Right. Fuck it. Whatever. That's what's going on. And so for the next six months, we just start. They we're partying with them and they're just dropping cash after cash. Like, and, like they're doing this every Friday and Saturday night, dropping this amount of money. And we're like, what is going on? Like, if you do the math, you know, fourteen k every weekend. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what? Yeah, they they blew through at least maybe two hundred k around the time I knew them. It had to be nasty. And so I like so for that six months, and and so. 
Finally, one day, our, our roommate calls us, and he's like, yo, um, he's like, Mike, Seth, what are y'all doing? I'm like, yo, I'm getting ready to go to work. Uh, he was like, uh, if you see a Tribune or pull it up on your phone, get to the front page right now. And so we do. So uh, luckily, like on my way to work, there's literally a newsstand. So I pull out a Chicago Tribune, and their face is plastered all across the front. How many dudes is this again? There was four. Four of them. Word. Four of these dudes. And so their face was plastered across the front, and uh, they were home invaders. They were robbers. They were Loyola University grads who couldn't find a job. So what they did was they decided to rent U-Hauls, rent these trucks, go out to the rich burbs of Chicago. We're talking Barrington. Barrington. We're talking like Highland Park. All these places, <laughs> man. Like they out there, Inverness. They out there and they knocking down houses of these rich folks three to four times a week and then taking it. And they had a what they called it, I'm doing air quotes, a mechanic in the West Loop that they would drop all this shit off and they would pay him 30 grand Every time he came, they came back with a truck. So it was like, and, and the thing was, the most important thing was obviously mail, which was like debit cards and, and account numbers and stuff like that. You could, you know, that was the big thing. But they also could make a killing off of just like take, like they would break into a house and not leave a pencil. And so we found out about that, and it was like, yo, they got arrested by the feds and all this other kind of stuff. And we're sitting there, like, like Seth's like, yo. They got arrested by the feds. We're probably in every photo partying right, right next to them. Right, on IG <laughs> with these mugs. Like, what up? No bottles. What's good? Yeah, like we right. Like, luckily, no one like like we obviously we were living too broke. Like, right, right, right. Like they we was just, like, yeah, these niggas ain't on nothing. Yeah, they're like, nah, there's no way. They <laughs> like they like they don't got cars. They ain't, like they 21. They barely. You know, right, they right, must right, just be right, friends. Right, right, right. You know. Uh, and so it was funny. So then, like, Seth went down to the uh, courthouse, and uh, he met with the leader, the, the guy we thought was friend. And he was just like, yo, tell me your whole story. And so the dude was like, look, I got, I got like, 34 counts of, of, of home invasion, armed robbery. Uh, I'm going to be in jail for at least 18 years. You know, it doesn't matter. And told him everything. And so that's what uh, we used to build the story Echo Boomers. And it's really about... The story of us as millennials, like it's an extreme version, but of us as millennials who, you know, this economy kind of has let us down. Kind of a lot of us in our age range, the economy let us down. College, we were told to go to school. We were told to take out huge loans to pay for college, and then a good job would be waiting for us afterwards. And now it's like ain't no job, the, B. You know, it's like you're you're fighting for scraps, you know, and it's things of that nature. And so the whole story is about a premise of these millennials who decide to take the mouse into their own hands. Kind of the Robin Hood scenario, robbing the rich, but giving to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so and that's what the word echo boomers comes from. It's actually a legit term. Um, of uh, people who echoed the baby boomers. And so it's a, it's a term of someone between 1985 and 2000 who, um, who went to college and can't get a job. So that's what the film's about. Beautiful, beautiful story. Um, thank you so much, Mike. I, um, no we gotta, we gotta shut it down at this point, but I want you to plug, I want you to plug your, your social media, yeah, yeah. So, um, everything that's coming up for you, anything you want the people to hear, yeah, and know for about. sure, for sure. Uh, my Insta, you can find me on Insta at Mike D. Ware. Um, the director, Seth Savoy, you can find him at 
Seth Savoy, S-E-T-H-S-A-V-O-Y. Uh, New Millennial has a website, um, but we're currently being acquired, so that's not going to be up for much longer. We're going to be transitioning into a, a different company, and so which we're all we're all excited about. But the the goals of New Millennial will stay the same uh, of creating new edge content. Um, Brandon talks at Brandon T A L K S, um, and he's a pretty big social media influencer on Twitter. And so, yeah, just uh, be look out, be, be on the lookout. Uh, we're, we'll be announcing Echo Boomers uh, uh, Berlin 2018 this year. And so, you know, it'll hopefully be out in the running for Cannes 2019. Cannes. Yeah. Film Festival. Word up, man. Thank you so much. Thank um, you so much for having me, I, man. I, I follow, you know, closely everything that you're doing. Sure, um, you. I'm rooting for you. Um, and, and thank you. Um, so... This has been uh, another edition of the Reup. I'm Malik Ali. Thank you. Roll up, dumps. Good night. <laughs> nah, we ain't damn no more. We up, nigga. We up. Quickest way to the top is the Reup, nigga. Re-up. Got your man in his zone. Tell him D up, nigga. D-up. I still see you in my rear view. Speed up, nigga. <laughs> <laughs>